In our study of the book of Acts, we keep coming to foundational beliefs about our faith, really huge pieces of the truth or of truths that we hold as New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. As we started this study, as we've moved through it, uh, that seems to keep happening. As we're passing through, we keep coming to these huge foundational truths that we hold to as New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. Now, some of those are pretty straightforward. Some of those, you read that, you hear that, and you know exactly what it's talking about. And honestly, some of them we're having to think deeply about, and we're maybe having to wrestle with. We hear this truth, and we're having to to discern and to search God's Word and to, to truly see what God is saying. Well, in our study, as we see the church forming, we're seeing the foundation upon which it was built. Now, here's what is good about our study, and here's what is a dangerous thing in our world today. Today, some of these huge truths are being left out of the church. Some of these big blocks, some of these big pieces of our faith are simply being swept aside or ignored altogether in the church today. Today, very sadly, our subject is one of those pieces. In the practice of the modern church, the movement of the modern church, these big truths are being put away. Well, today our subject is one of those pieces, and that is the subject of repentance. Folks, today in a distortion of the truth, in a misunderstanding and for sure a misapplication of the gospel and with a secular humanistic mindset, many today have abandoned, they have left the preaching of repentance. I don't know if we're catching that. I don't know if we're seeing that, but you you watch t- TV today, the preacher's there or on, on the internet today or you go to churches today and, and people, entire churches are abandoning the preaching of repentance. And I want us to be very sure today, in doing so, our foundation is falling apart in the church today. Let's be sure of something this morning. You can preach to people all about Jesus and never talk about repentance. But you can't lead those people to deeply love and embrace Jesus and not talk about repentance. Let's be very sure today you can can draw a crowd, folks. You can draw a heck of a crowd and you can never not one time talk about repentance. But you can never lead that crowd to see the remedy for their sin, Jesus Christ, and not talk about repentance. Friends, you can go on and on and on today about your version of the good news and you can never say one word about repentance. Entire churches are doing that today. But friends, they will fail to see the greatness of the good news of Jesus Christ apart from the preaching of repentance. And so today as we continue in our study, we're gonna let our verses lead. and We're gonna move along here in the, in the study In Acts. Our message today is entitled Time to Turn. Time to Turn. We're in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 
verse 19, God's word says this. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed from you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for our Savior. We're thankful for the truth today that Jesus saves. The cry of the church, the cry of a sinner, Jesus saves our hope. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that the, the blood covers us, that we become the righteousness of Jesus because of the victory that is, that is won in the blood of Christ. Lord, I pray now as we, as we come to study your word, Lord, I pray that this would truly be a supernatural event. Lord, not normal, not just another hour to pass through like many of the hours of this week, but I pray that it would be a supernatural hour, Lord. I pray that the living God would speak through his word that's living and active. I pray that we'd be instructed today, that we would have a, a, a new mind, a new eyesight of Jesus today. Lord, I pray for some here that may not know you. I pray that in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today in the hearing of your word and the drawing of your spirit, Today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we pray that you move, that you work, that you speak, that you lead. We submit this service to you, this hour to you, and I pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> to get started today, remember the church has formed and is forming around the central message of the truth of Jesus. Now, that's a pretty, pretty big thing for us to understand. The church is forming, and the church is forming as it does so around the central message of the truth of Jesus. We see that Jesus is the centerpiece of the church, but we also see it's not just any Jesus. It has to be the one True Jesus. Well, for that reason, Peter has been preaching the truth of Jesus. He has been clearly identifying the one true Jesus. As we've heard his message, Jesus is the man of Nazareth. He is the Nazarene. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ sent of God. That has been demonstrated in great power. He has told us Jesus is the one that the prophets foretold of. He is actually the fulfillment of prophecy. He said Jesus is the one who died 
and who having died has been resurrected again, yet liveth again. He lives again. And Peter, we find, is proclaiming the truth of Jesus. And it is around this truth of Jesus that the church is forming. Folks, be very certain this morning that has not changed. Jesus is the centerpiece of the church. Be sure and understand that. What is the church about? Jesus is the centerpiece of the church. Jesus is the central message of the church today. It's not up for discussion. It's not up for debate. Jesus Christ is the central message of the church. And listen, it's still not just any Jesus. It has to be the one true Jesus. Last week on our Sunday morning, in our Sunday night, they they kind of worked in tandem, worked together. We saw a pretty deep truth that if you change the gospel, you miss Jesus. We hear of all these gospels today, the prosperity gospel, the social justice gospel, whatever gospel you have. But if you change the gospel, you miss Jesus. But listen to this. If you change Jesus, there is no gospel. If you change Jesus, if you distort Jesus, if you enter in a lie about Jesus, if you change Jesus, there is no gospel. I want you to hear that. He is everything. Everything hinges on Jesus. And so that brings us to today. If Jesus, the truth of Jesus, is the central message of the church, What is our response to that truth? Now, that's a pretty good question. If he is the central message of the church, if it all centers around Jesus, what is our response to the truth of Jesus? Now, today for our study, I've made three points, three things that we're going to see as we pass through these verses. First thing we're going to see is the call of the truth. Second thing we're going to see is the fruit of the truth. And the third thing, we're going to see the scope Of the truth. Now, these three things, again, as we pass through our verses the call of the truth, the fruit of the truth, and the scope of the truth. First, we begin with the call of the truth. Again, it goes back to the question what is our response to the truth? Let's look at the first part of verse 19. Therefore, repent and return. Therefore, repent and return. Return. Peter has been clearly laying out the truth of Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the, the Savior sent from God. He died, and he died a sacrificial death for our sin. He is resurrected in victory from the dead. And that is the truth. He has been proclaiming that truth. And then in verse 9, he says, And therefore, in response to... Here's the truth of Christ. And therefore, in response to, repent and return. Repent and return. Now, I want you to stay with me. We're going to move through some pretty heavy stuff here. I want you to stay with me. Repent means to turn. It looks like this. If you are actually going this direction, to repent actually means to turn and to go that direction. There's no half-stepping. There's no stalling out on the path. If you find a person that has repented, they are actually literally going this direction, and they wheel around, and they turn, and they go that direction. That is what it is 
to repent. But I want, to, I want you to see this. It is more than that. It is deeper than that. It, it means literally to change your mind. Now, you change your direction, yes, but it is because your mind has changed. You're going to change directions, yes, but it is going to be because there is a change of mind. Now, I want you to see this from the context. Where they had rejected Christ, that's what he tells them. Where they had disowned and denied Christ, that's what he tells them. They were now to see their sin. They were to see their rejection of Christ. And then they were to see the truth of Jesus. And seeing the truth of Jesus, they're to turn to Jesus. Do you understand? Do you see how that flows through that message? He tells them, you know what, you disowned Jesus, you rejected Jesus. He tells them he is the one that's holy, he is the one that is righteous, he is the Christ, he is the, he is the one that is the Savior from Christ. And then seeing their sin and seeing the truth of Jesus, their response is that they would repent and return and turn to Jesus. The Bible says they are returned. Get this, that is our response to the truth. Now I'm talking about us today. That is our response to the truth. We, we see our sin. We see the ugliness of our sin. We see the guilt and the shame and the filth of our sin. We, we see the destruction of our sin. We see our rejection of Christ. And then in the preaching of the gospel, we see Jesus we see the truth of Jesus. We see that he is gracious, that he's kind, that he's loving. We see that he's, that he's paid for it in the cross of Calvary. And we see the truth of Jesus. And seeing the truth of Jesus, we repent and we turn to Jesus. That is the response to the truth. Listen to me very carefully. We are saved by faith. There is no work. I want you to understand this. But that faith is exhibited by repentance. Some would say, well, isn't repentance a work? No, our faith is exhibited by repentance. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But I want you to understand, our faith is turning to Jesus. The call of the truth is to repent. The call of the gospel is to repent. The response to the truth of Jesus is to repent. The call of the truth is to repent. Now, can you imagine if we lose that truth in the church today? The problem is I think we're losing it. Can you imagine our churches if we lose that truth in our, in our, in our, in our preaching, the truth of repentance? That's, I believe that's going on. There's, there's some that actually say and there's some that actually preach and I've had people that have said to me, we do not need to repent. And they come along and that, it's like a new light has gone off in their head. And they says, we do not need to repent. It's not necessary for a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. And you start to say verses and they have other verses and they say, you know what? it's not necessary for a believer to repent. People have told me that. They come along and they say, well, that was an Old Testament teaching. Repentance, that was an Old Testament teaching. And I would remind them that Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew 4 verse 17 says this, and from that time forward, Jesus began to preach and say, repent 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I would remind them that Peter in Acts chapter two said repent, that Peter now in Acts chapter three says repent. And their answer is this. They say, well, you know what? That's a Jewish thing. You know, we thought it was an Old Testament thing, but now we see it's moved to the New Testament. Well, you know what? That's a Jewish thing. That is, that is for Israel. We're not Gentiles. He, they're not speaking to us. Let me show you some more verses. Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you, know, you're, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink, listen, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you some more verses. Acts chapter 26, verses 19 and 20. And so, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly division, vision, but kept declaring, listen to this, but kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Listen, those arguments are total nonsense. Those arguments are not biblical. And they come along and say, you know what? That is an old teaching. That is an Old Testament teaching. You know what? That is a Jewish understanding. That is a Jewish teaching. Listen, that is not biblical. That is not true. I want you to get this. Repentance is our response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repentance is the call of God. And I want you to listen. It is how we are saved. We're saved by turning in faith to Jesus Christ. Do you see what you're doing to the church when you remove repentance from the message of the gospel? We are saved in repentance, not as a work, but in the response to our faith, we turn to Jesus. Now here's what's happening. I can explain it. I see how it works. Let me try and make it plain. Here's what's happening. Today, people are setting grace against repentance. This is, this is, this is what's happening. They're acting like grace and repentance are opposed. They're acting like repentance and grace, that those are, are somehow opposite things. And they come along and they say, grace is this thing where we don't have to look at our sin. Amazing grace. We don't have to look at our sin. We don't have to deal with our sin. Oh, the grace of God. And they talk about grace and grace. And then they come along and say, you know what? Repentance is ugly. Repentance is judgmental. Repentance is legalistic. It's mean-spirited. That's not the God that I serve. I serve a God of grace. Our God is love above all things. He is grace above all things. And we feel better with that message. I can tell you this. We fill more seats with that message. 
We get to be comfortable in our sin with that message. Oh, it's grace. We don't like to talk about sin. That's not our deal. It's grace. I want you to hear this. And I'm glad this is recorded because I want this to be said and repeated. That is a message that totally misses the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a mean message embraced by rebellious humans and it is of Satan himself. That, that hyper grace message, that whole, that whole thing about repentance is a, is a thing we don't worry about is a lost, rebellious person's gospel. You see, I, w- I want you to see this. You see, it's so beautiful if we see it correctly. You see, it is the amazing grace of God. It it is the wonderful, unmerited grace of God that that is patient with us, that calls us, that implores us, that leads us to repent. I want you to see today the best thing is not to walk a long life comfortable in our sin, but the best thing is to see that sin and to turn away from that sin and to step out of that sin and have had absolute enough of that sin and to run to Jesus. That's the best thing. Run to Jesus. Flee from your sin. That is the grace of God in repentance. What a terrible message to say, you're all right in your sin, brother. You're okay in your sin, sister. Listen, that's a terrible gospel. The good news of the gospel is God and his power, God and his grace cause terrible sinners like us, oh, repent and come home. Turn to Jesus. The call of the truth is to repent. Second thing, the fruit of the truth, the fruit of the truth. I'm gonna read verses 19 through 21 together. Therefore, repent and return. Listen to this. So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20 And that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive into the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke from the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. All right, we're going to see in our verses three things come from repenting and turning to Jesus. You hear the truth, you turn to Jesus. That is your response to the call. And there are three things that when you grab the truth, when you embrace the truth, when you repent, there are three things that are the fruit of the truth. Let me walk you through those three things. The first is this. The first fruit of repentance, of embracing the truth, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Verse 19 says, that your sins may be wiped away. I want you to listen to the language of that. That your sins may be wiped away. Colossians chapter two, verse 14, or Sunday nights, we're gonna cross through this verse. Having forgiven us of all of our transgressions, 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, I want you to see when we repent by faith, when we turn to Jesus, we are forgiven. I, I, I don't know how to make that big enough. We are forgiven when we repent and turn to Jesus Christ. I hope you understand that outside of Christ, you're an enemy of God. Outside of Jesus Christ, your sins are listed. You may think you got away with them. God knows every one of them. Your sins are sure. Your sins are displayed. Your sins are evident. Well, nobody knows what I did. God knows what you did. Your sins are testifying against you. Well, what's the verdict? Your sins are testifying. They're telling of your lostness. But by repentance, turning to Jesus in faith, you are forgiven. Your sins are wiped out. Listen, if you don't understand that, you don't even know what the good news is. That is the good news of the gospel. When we turn in repentance, our sins are forgiven. Hold on a second. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, our sins are forgiven when we repent and turn to Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what your record looked like. I know what mine did. I don't know how big your sins are. I know how big mine are. And by repentance, we are forgiven. We're forgiven. Second thing we are, second fruit we are refreshed. We are refreshed. So that your sins may be wiped away, verse 19, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now the word here for refreshing, for refreshed, literally means cooling off. It, it comes with it, the idea of relief Relief and cooling off. Now, I can understand that. It is a hot, hot day. Picture that. It is a hot day. It is hot. And then out of nowhere comes a cool breeze. Now, we, we live in air-conditioned houses, and we work in air-conditioned buildings. Many of us, we drive in air-conditioned cars and tractors. I think sometimes we, we forget what that picture of that cool breeze might feel like. I remember being a kid, my granny, my grandparents had a house and they had evaporative coolers. They'd fire up those evaporative coolers and man, they would work great. It'd get the house down to about 86. Feel great. Good thing about evaporative coolers, you got to sleep under one and it was screwed up and it would throw water on you during that poop, 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 water would fling out on you. Felt good. They said, well, don't sleep under that air conditioner. It's 86, you'll wake up with a sore throat. But it was hot. It was hot. And I remember in the evenings, you can't get out of the heat. That's all you had. And we would go out, and my granny, we'd go out in the yard, and, and we'd go outside, and sometimes we'd have watermelon. Sometimes we'd make homemade ice cream, and kids would sit on that thing and turn it and turn it, and we'd make homemade ice cream. And there would be a cool breeze in the evening. The only way to get out of the heat, it was a relief. I want you to understand in the parched, dry heat of your sin, there is relief in Jesus Christ. Times of refreshing. 
Now, it's talking about his coming again when we're going to have full relief. But I want us to understand we don't have to wait for then for our relief. When we repent, when we turn to Jesus by faith, our sins are forgiven. Our record is cleared. Listen, I'm not waiting for a clear record. It's cleared in Jesus Christ. I have become the righteousness of Jesus because the record has been cleared. Listen, the weight has been lifted. The record is gone. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, and therefore there is no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. That is right now. There's no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. Those are times of refreshing from the Lord. The weight has been lifted. The record has been cleared. And in refreshment from the Lord, I stand. Here's the deal. People today are trying to find a refreshing apart from God. Isn't that our world? Isn't that our world? People think, you know what? I, I need a time of refreshing the anxiety and the depression and, and the trouble and the guilt and the strife and the speed of this life is wearing me out. Oh, that I would have a time of refreshing. And, and our world today is saying, you know what? If you get this job, there's refreshing. If you get this relationship, it'll be refreshing. You know what? In alcohol, you can dumb yourself out. It'll be refreshing. Whatever the sin is, some, some adulterous relationship, it'll be refreshing. The pills that you take, the money that you accumulate, the comfort. Oh, if I could get all the comforts. And we're seeing over and over again, listen, it doesn't matter if you pull it all off. There is no refreshing outside of Jesus Christ. Man, I could give you list after list. They pulled it off. No hope outside of Jesus Christ. And so first, there's forgiveness and repentance, turning to Christ by faith. Second, there is refreshing by repentance, by turning to Christ in faith. The third thing is this. There is restoration. There is restoration. This is very awesome. Listen, verse 20 and 21. <clears throat> and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, Mary keeps making it sure, he's the Christ, the Messiah, that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for, me, for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke from the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Let me, let me try to make that as simple as I can. That's pretty deep. Right now, Christ has ascended to heaven. That's what it's talking about. The heavens have received him. He has ascended to heaven. The Bible says, until the period of restoration. Now, that period of restoration is not a secret. He foretold the prophets. Now, I want to I say this. Sometimes we forget, and maybe it's many times. Sometimes we are short-sighted. Sometimes we are so caught up in today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday. Sometimes we are so short-sighted that we forget, listen, that Jesus, just as he came the first time, is coming again. 
And that's what this is talking about. You know what that prophet told about it and that prophet told about it from the ancient days? This isn't a new thing. And just as the Messiah came, that's what he's telling him, just as Christ came, just as Jesus the Nazarene is the Christ, just as he came, it is just as announced today, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Listen, it is just as sure. Do you believe he came, that he went to the cross, that he ascended, that he's gone to heaven, risen from the dead? Do you believe that? We say yes. Well, just as sure today, Jesus is coming again. Now, I want to tell you that's not the end of the story. And when he does, here's the testimony of the word of God himself. There will be the final and full restoration of all things. I'm forgiven right now. I have time of refreshing right now. Listen, just as sure when Jesus comes again, all things will be, this is what it means, made right. All things will be set right. Here's the problem. We're trying to act like now is all there is. We're trying to act like now's the goal line. We, we've got all of our focus that now's the, the end all, be all of all things. Listen, I, I want you to hear me today. I, ooh, I want you to hear me listen to this. This, oh, I want to tell you, this is not it. Listen, this is not it. This is not it. This doesn't compare to it. This is not it. Oh, but I want you to hear me today. There is coming a day when every wrong is going to be made right, when all the strife is going to end in peace and every broken thing is going to be fully restored and there's going to be no more divorce. There's going to be no more betrayal. There's going to be no more addiction. There's going to be no more slandered reputations. There's going to be no more sickness. Oh, no more death. No more graves. No more grave sites. There'll be no more pain because God says on that day, the former things will have passed away and it'll all be set right. Woo, restoration. If I get too excited about that, y'all gonna have to deal with it. I'm not sorry. Listen, I'm looking forward to restoration. I go out to my farm. I go check my cows. I drive by the fields that used to be hay fields. Me and my dad used to pull balers out of those fields and head to another field. I drive over and there's a hill where my granddad used to check his cows. There's a headstone that has my dad's name on it. I drive by and I look at it. I know where he's at. I know he's not there. But you know what? It's, 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 you don't get over that. You can't really understand that. But let me tell you something on the authority of God's word. There will be a day when Jesus Christ will come again. And he is coming again. And he's going to bring those that have died in him, with him. And the Bible says there'll be a day of reunion and we'll be with them and we will forever be with him. And he says, therefore, comfort one another with those words. I don't think I'll get the opportunity, but I would go kick that headstone over. There is a day when all things will be set right. Restoration in Jesus Christ.
That happens in repentance. How do we surrender repentance? How do we get excited about our sins so much we forget about repentance? Listen, I like forgiveness better. Listen, I like refreshing better. I like restoration better. Every wrong will be made right. Let's keep moving. Verse 22. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. Verse 22, same Moses foretold of Jesus, says they're gonna raise up a prophet. Now that prophet here is Jesus. It means he could be raised up, he could be exalted. I also think it's foreshadowing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is like the other prophets. He's gonna be raised up as a mouth, but more than that, he has raised up the victor from the dead. Verse 23. And it will be that every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Now, I don't want you to miss verse 23. Verse 23, there's a warning. And the, the, the warning of verse 23 is this. God gives us his grace. And the warning is that you would reject it. That you would reject his grace. Now, there's some that are going to say, oh, no, you can't, you can't reject God's grace. Well, let me tell you, every time you decide to live according not to the word of God, the word of God, he's given you, you know what you're doing, you're rejecting his grace. Every time you decide, you know what, I'm gonna live a better way than what I wanna do, I'm not gonna listen to God. He's told me how to live in his word. I don't care what you say, you're rejecting his grace. Listen, you can reject his grace. You can choose not to repent. You don't have to do it. And that's what verse 23, it is a warning. Listen, you don't have to receive his grace. You can stay in your sin. You can, you, can, you can come and you can continue the rejection and you cannot repent. Here's what's gonna happen. You will be utterly destroyed. That's the truth of scripture. You will be utterly destroyed. Now, that's a pretty deep thing. Why do you think they call him savior? He's the savior. That's what he saves us from. You will be utterly destroyed. He is the savior. He saves us from destruction. That's the whole idea of a savior. The warning of verse 23, verse 24. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. Now Moses was the first prophet, considered the first prophet, Samuel is considered the second prophet. So the scripture is saying from the first prophet to the second prophet and from all the prophets after the second prophet, they all have foretold of these days. Verse 25. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made, in your father, made with your fathers saying to Abraham and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now here's what he's saying in verse 25 to these that are listening. You are the downline to all of these prophets. You are the downline to the covenant that was made with Abraham that all of the families of the earth would be blessed in his seed talking about Jesus. Now, it's gonna tell us how. And that's where we're gonna see the third truth today. We're gonna see the scope of the truth. We just saw the fruit of the truth. We saw the call of the truth. Now we're gonna see the scope of the truth. Verse 26. For you first, God raised up his servant 
and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Again, in verse 26, raised up. It is he exalted Jesus. He has put him in the, the, the place of display, but it is also clearly talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, in the one that is raised up, the one that is resurrected, there is repentance found in him. There is forgiveness found in him. There is times of refreshing found in the one that is resurrected from the dead. There is restoration in Jesus. Now I want to make one last point and then we're going to be done. We're going to see here as we shut her down, the scope of the truth. The scope of the truth. If we go back to the start of verse 26, it says this. For you first, for you first. God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you. For you first. First, these Jews in Jerusalem, for them, they were the first to hear and to see the resurrected Christ. They were the first to see the resurrected Christ. Some of them were the first to hear the resurrected Christ. These Jews are first. But I want you to see this. Follow with me here. If there is a first for you first, listen, you're the ones here in town. You're the ones that saw it first. If there is a first, there is a subsequent. That makes sense. What that means is if there are the Jews, there's coming the Gentiles. If it's first here, it's going to be second out there. If it's first then, it's going to be second now. Be sure today, be certain today, as the church is founded, as the church is moving forward, and for us in the church today, the truth is for everyone. The true Jesus is for everyone. And so the call to repent and to turn to Jesus is for everyone. And the fruit of that repentance, forgiveness and refreshing and restoration can be for everyone. Listen, it is not limited in scope. There is a first and so there's a subsequent. There is a first and so there is a second. And the second, the Bible says, is all the families of the earth there is no limit. The scope is for everyone. What a gracious Savior. Well, not those folks. Not those people. I didn't build them for that. The scope is for everyone. So here's the question. So what's your response to Jesus? Plain as that. Are you trying to find refreshment somewhere else? Are you trying to set the weight down somewhere else? Are you still carrying around the awful record of your sin? Bible says, repent, return. Simple as this, turn to Jesus. If you're here today and you never trusted Jesus Christ, let me tell you the cause of the same, turn to Jesus. If you're here today and you're sick of the weight and the treadmill and the garbage, 
turn to Jesus. If you're here and, and you don't understand how this broken world is going to go on and you don't know how this makes any sense, listen, in repentance, there's restoration. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Our response to the truth, turn to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for your plan of redemption. Thankful for your grace that it's not dependent upon us. We can't do it. We're not good enough. We're We're not strong enough. Our willpower won't hold out enough. Our hearts aren't good. And yet you come and you're perfect and you're beautiful and you're just and you're holy and you're gracious and you're God himself. You condescend, you come and you go to the cross taking my sin, my shame, my guilt, the list that testified against me, you put it on yourself, nailed it to the cross. It wasn't a list. It was you that was nailed to the cross. We're forgiven. We're restored. Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I, I, I exalt the name of Jesus as I think about that. Lord, I also pray for some here that are still under the weight, that are still carrying the list, that can't find any refreshment. Lord, I pray that today in this truth, that today they would be saved. They would be saved. Jesus saves. Lord, let them turn to you. Help them. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth that leads us, that directs us. Pray now as we go to this time of invitation that you would speak, that you would move. We tell you, Lord, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. We give all this to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.